I love the name sonship. Don't you? It puts a whole different perspective on the class. Sonship's important because it really helps you develop that anointing within that does what? Who remembers? What does the anointing within do? Uh, that's close. Yeah, that's one of them. Everybody used to say love, and that was always the right answer for everything. Um, it carries the anointing on you. So remember, we want to keep developing the inward spirit man, the new man. We want to keep developing him because he's carrying whatever God has mandated you for, whatever gift is on your life. He's carrying that, and you want him to carry it. I don't want to have to carry it because if I carry it, I get to make it, I'm the one that's responsible for it to be successful. And I want him to be responsible for it to be successful. So sonship's important. We're on evangelism in this teaching tonight. And I always try to do an intro. I ask the Lord to give me some revelation, show me some revelation on a good intro for evangelism. Because, the, you know, the church truly lacks true evangelism. Nobody should be evangelizing unless they can release the dove. And you got to make sure your life is so gentle that the dove don't fly off of you. Because, you know, a dove will, you know, I remember on some of our glory nights that um, I had to park underneath my house. I'd drive up underneath of it. So when I would get out, this dove would fly up and get right on top of the car. And doves fly off at any kind of movement and everything. So I'm opening the doors, slamming the doors, getting stuff out of my car, and the dove still sits right there on that skylight of that car. That's a sign. That's a wonder to me. And it, the dove came for several weeks like that after glory service. And we just sat there. Then he would take pictures and the flash wouldn't move him or nothing. So it tells you the dove is safe. Is God's presence safe with us? Remember, his, his presence is different from his anointing. His anointing in you is supposed to help you develop a relationship with him. So when you truly know that you have a relationship with Christ, Christ actually releases the Father's presence on you. Because everything has to come through Jesus. We should only speak what the Father is saying. So help, sonship is, can we put some instrumentals on? Son, sonship is to help you discern also the difference between the Holy Spirit, between Jesus and the Father when they're speaking, when they're acting, when they're blessing, because they all three have different roles. So as you grow, like the little men on the chart, we pretty much know the Holy Spirit on that first row. He came. He rescued us. But when you get on that second row, is our rebellion row. And that's where we need Jesus. We need his, uh, his obedience working through us to be able to get to that third row. We've got to obey God in everything, not just some things. And it's usually the things that challenge our mind that we don't want to obey him in. It's usually the things that challenge our giving. Everybody needs to show up Saturday night because I'm going to be teaching on the Lord said, you know, a lot of Christians give and give and give and give and give, but they don't see the return. Well, the Lord gave me four orders, four steps that will guarantee your alignment. For Because, listen, this, this, this kingdom's all about sowing and reaping. If you're sowing and not reaping, it's actually grieving the heart of God. Because it's not complete until you receive the reaping. Because anything that you're reaping from God is a form, another level of redemption and salvation. So if money's coming back your way, it's coming back to redeem something. It could be debt. It doesn't matter the amount that you sow. 
It matters what the Holy Spirit is telling you to sow. And see, I, nobody ever taught me anything. I just spent a lot of time with God and lived my life the way I thought would please Him. And most of the time, I wasn't right. But thank God for grace. Because when you think you're right and you're really not, grace has got you covered. Isn't that awesome? Like I said Saturday night, I said a lot of stuff from, from this pulpit when I was young. And I thank God the angels were covering everybody's ears. Because if some of that stuff got into them, they would have messed them up. But to be in, in an apostolic function, you've got to be a, a pastor, you've got to be a teacher, you've got to be an evangelist, you've got to be a prophet before God can even trust you with that office. So in those other four offices, we're actually learning. And there's great grace in an apostolic office. There's great grace for ignorance, and there's great grace when you have the truth coming forth. Because it pierces you like a sword. It goes in. And it does a, a great work. Do you remember that I used to put my hand up like this? This is the fivefold ministry, right? This is our hand is the hand of God. But notice the middle finger. It's the longest, right? Well, God made it that way because that's supposed to represent the evangelist pointing the way. But you see how the enemy has prostituted that thing in another way. <laughs> so it tells you the enemy does not want souls. He'd rather say the other thing. <laughs> Praise God. So remember that. That's for pointing evangelists. That's for... Reaching souls, pointing the way. There's nothing, nothing else. Okay? I know we're going through our spot class, and you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that, that anger will rise up. I don't want anybody using that finger when you leave this place on after spot class, except to point the way. <laughs> I love soul, soul shifters. I love the spot class. I love sonship. I love them all. Because God really does, is in all of them. So evangelism is really is the commissioning of every believer. Every believer. And you know, how do you know, one of the signs that I know that somebody's evangelist, is they, before they come in here, they got rejection all over them. You see it on them. Because the enemy has caused people to reject that office so much that the evangelist is depressed. Because he's the one that has to gather the harvest. Your evangelist is the primary one that has to gather that harvest and bring the people into the, the fivefold ministry so they can get everything they need from the Lord. When they come in. So people come to me wanting to know God's will for their life. What job they're supposed to have. What, what, who they're supposed to marry. And I say, here's God's will for your life. To heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Oh, no, 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 no. I want to know who I'm going to be marrying. I said, well, find somebody to marry, then heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. I want to know what job. Then go find a job and go cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead. That is our mandate for every Christian. Amen? Matthew 10, 7, and 8. Can we put this on the screen? Our projector is being shipped off Monday. Hopefully we have it back by Saturday. It's got to go to Texas. Because it's still under warranty, but we're having a lot of problems with it. So, uh, Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, preach. And you don't have to do the amplified version. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons, for freely you have received. 
and freely you must give. Freely. I'm telling you, every time I stepped out on God, He showed up. Every time I stepped out where I had the right motive, He always showed up. Always. But if I gave the devil any time to reason with me, then the way God shows up is not as strong. If you would have brought that cat, that thought captain, just moved out on it. So the greatest extension of love, every believer has the greater one in them. Every believer has unlimited authority over demons. When you get born again, you have unlimited authority over demons. When I got born again, I was radical for casting out demons. I was just excited and had a zeal about that, but didn't have no revelation yet. No revelation at all. So God's power really does work, but it only works through compassion. If you don't have compassion, the power gets polluted, or what we call demonized. And we end up giving the person a mixture of two kingdoms, and not one of the pure ones. So we leave, li live under an open heaven if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And isn't it amazing how we pray for open heavens? We pray for open heavens. Sometimes we live in ignorance of what we already possess. We do. I do. Sometimes I live in ignorance of what I already possess. When we pray for what we already have, this is, this is really good. When we pray for what we already have, we never have the joy of seeing it answered. Because we're not aware that we already have it. I feel the Lord already. When we pray for what we already have, we never have the joy of seeing it answered. Now, it can get answered, but it ain't coming back with no joy. Because we're not aware that we already have the answer. If we would just be about the Father's business and quit praying for what we need... <laughs> He would give us everything. I never asked the Lord for one dime. I never asked the Lord for anything. All these years I've been with him. Um, then I asked him for a wife. Then I realized I didn't need a wife. So then he said, I, you know, you can't fulfill your destiny without a wife. So you're going to need the wife. You know, when you get so satisfied with Jesus, that's when he's ready to add things to you. So John 16, 24, you can put that on the screen. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. There's a difference between praying and asking. If I go up to Chris, I'm not going to pray over him to ask him for something. I'm going to come up to him and ask him for it. So Jesus is saying in this verse, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, if we don't get our joy from kingdom breakthroughs, and that's where real joy comes from, is a kingdom breakthrough. When you see a soul saved, when you see someone healed, when you give someone money for a breakthrough, that joy, man, just rises up in you. So if we don't get joy from kingdom breakthroughs, then we have to get our joy from disciplined prayer. It's not the same. It's not the same. When our joy comes through discipline of prayer, we begin to celebrate. And this is very good. When our joy comes from the discipline of prayer, we begin to celebrate form rather than breakthrough. Form rather than substance. And that is the beginning of the formation 
of religion being a form without no power. So joy is a priceless commodity. I love the scripture that, that Jesus said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So joy was his reward for suffering. Man. Joy should be our reward for suffering, not believing what we're going to get. I feel the Lord. Joy was his reward for suffering. If we pray for what we possess in the ignorance of what we possess, then we never experience the breakthrough that brings joy. How many times, listen, how many times, and I've done it, Lord, be with me in this meeting. Lord, be with me tonight when I speak. Well, you know he can't answer those kind of prayers. He already said, I'll never leave you. <laughs> I'll never forsake you. Man, how ignorant we are. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. I know y'all don't do that. <laughs> I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We actually pray things that war against the promise. We are actually praying for things that war against the promise. Most Christians have a closed, closed heaven, and it's because it's between their ears. That'd be good for the spot glass. That's what's between the two ears. Is that big old spot resurrecting. Blocking, pushing back what you actually need. God's trying to get it to you. And we actually choose the defenses of the devil. Rather than obedience. The spirit of God lives in every believer. But doesn't always rest on every believer. So that's what kingdom life is all about, is to get you, get you back in contact with God. That relationship with him. Because you can have a relationship with prayer and be out of order. We, we have to be careful that we don't have a relationship with worship. Because it becomes a form of religion. The dove remained on Jesus every step. And we should be in mind of this. The dove remained on him at every step. Evangelism is about hosting the presence of God. To change the environment that you enter into. And if we take on that mindset that every building I come into, the environment changes because I showed up. You do not have to accept the environment that's there. Things should shift and change when you show up. Things should shift and change when you show up. This, that, hey, that's a kingdom mindset. That's a kingdom mindset. We want to have a kingdom mindset. I do not want a church mindset again. That's for baby Christians. A baby Christian can't take on a, a kingdom mindset. Peter said in Acts 3, 6, and I love this verse, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Now, what did you notice in that, in that verse? I didn't hear him pray. Oh, rise up. Him up. When you're moving from a, a church mindset to a kingdom mindset, you're moving from prayer to speaking. Peter knew what he possessed. He carried the substance of heaven. God will never rest on a believer where there's a stronghold. That's why the devil hates that, that, that those visions. He hates those visions. Because every one of those names on that vision has nailed him. 
Or don't evangelize if you don't have no if you have no substance. Don't evan don't do it. You're making the people worse. We take small risk because we live in such ignorance of what we possess. You cannot go by feeling. You got to go in the knowing of what you possess. You can't go that I'm just a child. Well, a child is still possessing everything. And if you go as a child, watch God show up in a mighty way. What we possess is not based on what we feel. I love Tori and Chris. I told Chris, I said, now you need to go to the emergency room with the youth. And Tori said, I, I, what'd you say? <laughs> I don't feel nothing on that. <laughs> but they finally went, and it was awesome. This is how we learn. It, this is how we learn. Amen. But so the point is, we don't go by what we feel. When we pray for what we already possess, then the prayer becomes boring. I hate boring prayers. In fact, I don't pray a lot. I've noticed the more I grow, I pray less. I thought something was wrong with me. But the more I grow, I'm worshiping more and declaring more. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. He said the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom's in the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit is who we're actually releasing from us. It has nothing to do with us. When we say what the Father says, then the kingdom is at hand. When you say what the Father says, not what Jesus says, because Jesus, Jesus is over here. He's, he's uh, in the church age trying to get people to grow up. But when you come into the kingdom age, that's why Daddy shows up in this place. Because he knows we have the mindset right. When we say what the Father says, then the kingdom is at hand. It changes, and I love this, it changes the option of the hearer. Now he has no options. And we've, we've heard that in here. When speakers get up to speak, man, and when I get one-on-one -on, -one on some of these young boys, and, I, and the father speaks, and it, and it just arrests them, and they don't, there's no more options. They don't know what to say, right? I know Carl's head is blown off several times. Listen. Peter's shadow healed people. Now you think about that. There is no substance in a shadow. You picture this. People were lining the sick along each side of the road waiting for Peter to come. On each side of the road. That day is coming here in Savannah. It'll be down River Street. It'll be down Broughton Street. The sick will be laid on each side of the street. It's coming. Shadows have no substance. Acts 5.15. They carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on stretchers and bedrolls, hoping they would be touched by Chris' shadow when they walked by. Or Carrie's shadow when they walked by. <laughs> when the man of God walks down the street, he changes the environment. Period. Period. If you took on that mindset, you wouldn't be afraid of anything. Just knowing what you carry. He changed. Peter changed the conditions around him just walking down the street. He changed the influences that affect growth, health, and progress. Man, doesn't that make ministry easy? That you don't have to lose your voice trying to cast out a devil? We have to take on this mindset of what we possess, and all we have to do is show up. 
and speak. The point being, you want to write this one down, the point being, your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. Your shadow will always release what overshadows you. So we ask ourselves, who are we hosting? Who are we hosting? What are our affections anchored in? I don't, I don't know about you, I don't want to be a Dead Sea. A self-absorbed person that criticizes other people. A self-hate. A false humility. Depression. This is someone that's self-absorbed. It has nothing to do with nothing else but a self-absorbed person. Faith for the harvest. We have faith for the harvest. We have faith in the Lord of the harvest. But our faith is in God. Jesus said, have faith in God. Didn't he say? So from the church mindset, from a kingdom mindset, we have faith in Jesus, but in a kingdom mindset, we have faith in God. Because we have moved from infancy. Faith doesn't come by determination. Faith comes by what? Surrender. It does come from by hearing. But when you're ready to move in faith, it's going to move with you through surrender. Man, we can be so determined about something and, and put our faith on that determination. And it's demonic. I love this. We don't choose faith. Faith comes out of a rest. So if you're not at rest, your faith is not in full operation. Your faith is not in a kingdom operation. Your faith can work in the church age. Amen. You can have a faith that works in the church age, but there's a faith that works in the kingdom age. And that faith only works in a rest. Remember our chart where we had, had the three uh, tools of Satan? Adversity, temptation, and opposition. And your faith is released in your rest. Remember? And the enemy comes to oppose that faith. That's now in authority. So you can have a faith. That's not in authority. You have to be in the rest. So when you're in the rest. That faith is now in authority. Waiting to hear. The father. Speak. It does not come out of energy. Or effort. It comes out of rest. All ministry. Is actually imparting the dove. Especially in the houses of peace. The houses of peace are the success of this ministry. If the houses of peace, if we don't do what we're supposed to do in houses of peace, this ministry will stay right here. And God will still be with us. But if we stay here too long, it becomes our ministry and not his. We've got to go out of these walls. And the biblical way of evangelism is your house of peace. Because you evangelize your neighborhood. Psalm 91.1 says, He who lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under what? The shadow. So you want to make sure that he's overshadowing you. That's why Peter could heal with his shadow because God was overshadowing him. But Psalm 91.2 says, And I will say, notice it didn't say, I will pray. It says, I will say, he is my refuge and my fortress. You see the difference? When the presence is on you, you're saying and not praying. I jumped ahead. Don't get preoccupied by who you aren't. Get preoccupied by who he is. The presence on you changes the environment. 
That's when you take the risk. When you know that presence is on. Most of us want, oh, I love this. Most of, most of what you need in life is brought to you. But most of what you want in life, you got to go get. You just can't sit around and expect everything's going to come. Jesus said he would provide food, water, shelter, clothing. Once you kill the bear in your private altar, God can trust you with Goliath in public. We go out there trying to kill Goliath and he tears us apart. <laughs> because our personal altar has not been developed. We kill the bears and the lions in our personal altar. And then now God can trust me to deal with Goliath in public. And believe me, Goliath has to be conquered for you to get the full inheritance. And that's usually the biggest thing that causes you to fear. That's your Goliath. Most of us, most of what you need in life will be brought to you, but most of what you want, you have to go get. And that's what that vision, remember that vision I, I just talked about, the three ways Satan comes after you? When you're rest, God is saying, I'm about to release you to go get what you want, not what you need. God put something in us to want the inheritance, to want all of him. We are created to just want him. So peace is the actual atmosphere of heaven. Don't let these strongholds stop you from the dove resting on you. Because listen, if you have strongholds, the dove's not resting yet on you. That's why that class is so important. It's because God wants to rest on his people. In the world, peace is the absence of something, right? In the world, peace is the absence of something. But in his, his world, Peace is the presence of someone. Put Matthew 10, 11 through 13 up. <clears throat> he said, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is not worthy, let your peace come upon it. If your household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. That was a hard one to wrap my mind around for years. What does he mean? Go into a house and say, Shalom? Or write peace on the wall? And if they don't accept it, erase it? I could never wrap my mind about what he was saying here. This verse is saying, when you come into a house, Release the person of God in that house. God takes the simple, I love this about God. He takes the simple things we do and makes them supernaturally effective. Don't you love that? Something so simple, he makes it supernaturally effective. Paul I love Paul. Of course, everybody that's in apostolic function should love Paul. He is your example, other than Jesus. But Paul, think about Paul. He was, he was working. He working nets, building nets, right? Or tents or something. He was building tents. And people would come up to him and take his handkerchief and take his apron and take it over to heal the sick. While he was working. Tell me God's not in the marketplace. So here's Paul sewing, building his tent, and people were taking his old nasty handkerchief. Probably hit, he blew his nose before, but it still had the anointing and the presence of God on it, which made it clean. So you can be dirty 
and the Holy Spirit be on you, and you can be clean. So I, I haven't reached Paul's level yet. Or, or Carl and Todd would have gone to heaven already. <laughs> I give them all my shirts that I don't wear and don't like. <laughs> you know, the ones you get at Christmas, people buy for you, and you say, oh, I love this. <laughs> Huh? It was for them anyway, that's right. Carl wears everything I give him, and he looks awesome in it, so it must have some kind of anointing on it. <laughs> Listen, if nothing else, that should provoke us to jealousy. That tells me there's more. There is more. He worked and people took his apron. That should make us just stupid for God. A stupid hungry for God. Because that's how it's going to come. Is that hunger for God. Paul said we are restricted by our affection. So he was saying, hey, you could do this too but you are restricted by your affection. Godly, godly affection draws you to an individual. Amen? We are restricted by what we are putting our affection on. Those functions, intellect, will, emotions, and affections, God made them for him, not for us to prostitute them for the devil. God wants to give us an inheritance that's beyond our comprehension to reach nations that are beyond our imagination. The inheritance is to get you to the nations. That's what the strongholds hold back is your inheritance. You know, we get born again, God starts blessing us let us know, hey, you're in my kingdom now. Now I'm going to bless you from now on. I'm going to provide you from now on. But when you get into the kingdom mindset, you begin to uh, come into the blessings of Abraham. And that is the full inheritance, is the blessings of Abraham. So we all know that the international symbol of the dove, the international symbol of peace is a dove with the olive branch or leaf in its mouth, right? Noah and the ark. Remember that story? I, I read that again this morning. It was awesome. He's, if you notice in that scripture, he says he sent, he sent the raven, he, he sent the raven out, is what it said. Then he sent the dove from himself. You catch it? He didn't send the raven from himself. He sent the dove from himself. And it's still amazing me how that door shut on that ark. That would be spooky. Can you imagine how big that door was for all those animals to get in there? And he told Noah to go in, bring the animals. And the, Lord, and the, and the scripture says, the Lord shut him in. We've got to get a revelation of what the spirit of God can do. He said, not by might nor my power, by power, but by my spirit. It rested on him. Then the dove came back, and, uh, and, and Noah waited, what, seven more days? He waited seven more days and sent the dove out from himself again. And the dove went out. The dove came back with the olive branch or olive leaf. He came back. So he waited another seven days and sent the dove from himself, and it did not return. Now, there's something prophetic in Matthew 10, 11 through 14. Go to 14. And whoever will not receive nor hear your words 
when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Man, that, that sounds like rejection to me. He's saying, watch out from being contaminated. Know your assignment. You're there for an, an assignment, not to socialize. Know your assignment and host his presence. We have to be so God conscious whenever wherever we go. We got to be God conscious. So don't get contaminated by getting off your assignment. And I put down here, that's what the spots is all about. Removing what's between the ears so that we can have an open heaven. Removing the contamination so you'll know your assignment. You won't know your, if, you, if we have spots, we'll never know our assignment. Then the dove, the presence of God, to be released in that environment. Now you're in position to receive or to release him into the atmosphere. Those three things, always remember those three things. When you go out of these doors, when you go out of your home, remember those three things. I'm not going to be contaminated today by idle words, by gossip. It's amazing how the enemy can get us sidetracked with somebody talking to me. So remember in Matthew 10, 11 through 14, you all need to meditate on that. If you go into a house, let your peace come upon it. If the household is not worthy, in other words, they're not recognizing the presence on you. Let your peace return, return to you, lest it will get contaminated. Now let's go to John 20, 19 through 21. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. Now, what is Jesus saying in this verse? He is announcing what, what he really trained them for. He walked through the wall for the first thing. And you believe me, you better have peace. If you see Jesus walk through that wall. He was announcing what I have trained you for really starts now. They functioned three and a half years under his, his, the umbrella of his anointing. They functioned three and a half years under that umbrella. He's now releasing them on their own. Three and a half years. He's now releasing them on their own. You are now, he, what he's saying was, you are now the light of the world. He's not. He came as the light. But now you are the light. You ever walk into a place and people run? I mean, if you, if you didn't know who you were, you'd feel rejected by that. But we have to know What's on me is affecting those around me. People pray, Lord, none of me and all of you. Man, I've done that. I felt so convicted when the Lord showed me this. None of me, Lord, all of you. How many of y'all prayed that prayer? <laughs> God said, I had none of you before I made you. <laughs> so that's why I made you <laughs> so I could have all of you I'll never say that again he said but all I want but I want all of you covered by all of me <laughs> come on I'm talking to evangelists primarily but we're all evangelists <laughs> 
We're all evangelists, but we have some evangelistic offices in this house that are maturing Christ, but still infancy in that office. And that office is learned by action. God set it up that way. He set it up that way. You'll never know everything about your office before he gives you an assignment. And that's a big test because it puts me in, puts things in perspective. Am I still conscious of me? So it's not time for you to decrease. It's time for you to increase. And that's the difference between the church age and the kingdom age. In the church age, yeah, you're going to say that. Less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. But in the kingdom age, the kingdom mindset, it's time for us to say, it's time for you to increase, not decrease. It's time for you to increase, not decrease. God wants to fill us to his fullness. So he says, peace to you. Peace to you. All that the Father sent me, I now send you. Now he's say, saying that to a disciple. Not a child. So we are disciples. Because we are learning. How to follow him. We are learning him. So that we can follow him. So impart the presence wherever you go. I thought this was, this was cool. He said write down this formula. Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. Change of pace, P-A-C-E, plus change of place equals change of perspective. In other words, your geography and your spirituality are not related. <laughs> your geography and your spirituality are not related. And view affects vision. This, as far as I can see, is an eight-foot ceiling, nine-foot ceiling, whatever this is. But if I go out that door and look at the stars, my vision just expanded. So God is saying, get out the, get out the doors of the house and go look at the harvest where it's ripe and ready. It's ripe and ready. Have power and compassion. For the people. Because the harvest is ripe. And sad to say. The harvest is part of the church. Not only lost souls. I know for this ministry. Most of our harvest is church people. That were never able to grow up. Not because of their fault. Because all fault goes to the leader. Is because the leader's still a baby. I remember when I first opened up the pastor's conference, I had the pastors look at that sheet, and I said, which one are you on there? And he said, the second one. All of them said it. That was after the class. I don't think, but, but five showed up the next class. They were scared to death that they would have to grow up now. Because when you, when you grow up, I love this. When you're an infant and you're a leader, you have relationship with the flock. But when you grow up, you no longer have relationship with the flock. You now have fellowship with the flock. I don't want to partner with babies to get this kingdom work done. Or do you? Fellowship means partnering. But babies need that relationship. So I believe that's why a lot of the pastors, they don't develop this anointing within. They keep operating on the anointing that's on them because they don't want to lose their flock. Not knowing Jesus left there a long time ago because Jesus gave the anointing with the gift. So remember, we're in charge of that now. But he never releases you into ministry. Until you develop this. 
relationship. And as I said in the pastor's conference, there is a time that Jesus walks away from you with your gift. He walks away from that gift even though he's in you. He'll never leave you or forsake you here, but he'll stop striving with you in that one. So when you see no power in the church, I'm talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm talking about changed lives. Then you know Jesus has moved away from that gift. And that's why a lot of these pastors are miserable. They might not look like they're miserable behind that pulpit, but they're suffering. They're suffering. They don't know anything else to do. So they're trapped. That's why they need this ministry. That's why they need the pastor's conference. Because they're saved, but they never got changed. The gift got activated when they got born again. Man, oh man. God is putting things in order. He is putting things in order. Any questions? Now, I was going to get into that lesson there, but <laughs> it's 7 o'clock. That was an hour already. <laughs> That's an introduction. I love revelation. It's hard for me to read a book and, and teach from a book. Because it's hard for me to study a book. The only book I study is the Bible. Y'all get anything out of this? How do I know that I'm not a baby anymore? How do you know? Come on. Where's my ministers? No fear. Because listen, fear is behind all of those stronghold defenses. Fear is behind unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. Fear that leads us into bondage is demonic. It is Satan himself. So that's how you know that you've moved from infancy. Because you can be rebellious and not be fearful. Because most rebellious people aren't fearful. Right? So that's a good sign that you've graduated to the second row, which is, we call that row teenagehood. And the last row, adulthood. And when you get to that third row, you're not even conscious of yourself anymore. Moses lost his own reality at, at, at transfiguration. And that's what it is. We're being transformed as we go in this journey. But the sad thing is, what holds us back is our love for one another. That will hold you back from getting that third row. I don't care what anybody has done from you done for you or, or to you if we can't love beyond ourselves we'll never get past that second row and it's in us to be able to do it and believe me people people have have done a lot to me I mean a lot but they've all but God always has blessed me because the blessing keeps my eyes off of people. That's why God always blesses you before your trial. And I tell our people here, some of you may not have heard this before, but if you get a blessing, you better discern what's the purpose of that blessing. Is God blessing me because of my obedience? Or is he blessing me for repentance? And how you'll know is if a trial shows up the next day or the next week. That's when we put our eyes on the blessing and not the people that's associated with that trial. Or we'll abort. What are we aborting? Another one time I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, the grace of God is in me. Why do I need the grace of God over me? The grace of God will get me to heaven. But what does the grace of God do over me? He said the grace of God that's over you is what you need to fulfill your destiny. And the grace of God that's over you is descended on you in every act of obedience. So 
So the enemy does not want that grace to be descended on you. Even on the spot vision, where you see the light coming towards you, that's the grace that God is trying to get on you to take you into your destiny, to take you into that inheritance, to take you into that promise. Amen. So we're all challenged every year to grow. And the signs of growth is I'm mature today, but I may be a child tomorrow. That's how you know you're growing. Because you can't enter the kingdom of God mature. We get too puffed up. Or we can't receive the kingdom mature. God set it up that way. Every time we move from one of those little men on the chart, we become a child again. We are learning all over again. Not the same thing. We're learning something new every time. And that's how you know you're growing. That's how you know you're growing. I'm excited about the King Jesus um, commissioning next Friday. Uh, it's going to be powerful. That's when I get commissioned uh, under King Jesus in Miami as an apostle. So you go from, from glory to glory. You go from father to father. Every time I do something new, it challenges some of the ones that love me. But they have to trust me. Because God is leading. I need to be fathered in the area that I'm ignorant in. Amen. So, so this is my season of becoming a child again. To be able to receive what God has for me next Friday and come back different more power more revelation everything that's on that ministry comes into us now every anointing every everything that's on that ministry comes in here how many you know about King Jesus ministry y'all know about King Jesus in Miami Apostle Maldonado pull it up on the website He's an awesome man of God, humble man, and loves people. You know, you can tell when you're ready to become a child is when you don't love people as much as you used to. Amen? When people, when you feel like people start irritating you, it's time for you to become a child again. Amen, I go through it. Sometimes I just want to take my belt off and, you know, get this over with. But, <laughs> but we can't do it that way. We have to love them out of where they are. Amen. But although in the spirit, I take it off a lot with Todd and Carl and Chris and some of the boys around here. They don't know I take it off, but they feel it sometimes. <laughs> when the father speaks. The father, I tell all these dads this, all these future dads, the father instructs daddies have fun with you. So we got to make sure that we're not always a father or the love becomes conditional. You got to go have fun. Amen. Any questions before we close? Before something else comes out here. All right, let's close. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the revelation. I thank you, Lord, that we are taking on a kingdom mindset, that we are hosting the dove, that we are carrying your presence to be not conscious of ourselves ever, but only our assignment and our releasing of your presence wherever we go to change atmospheres. And Father, we just ask that you take us all into that place in you that Paul had. We want to go where Paul has been. Let that be our next step, Father. And I seal it now with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that you have guaranteed our success in you, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Giving some praise. Come on. Thank you, Lord.